never know where life is going to take you. Some people know exactly where they want to be and go for it full throttle. Others just stumble upon it organically, and then there are those who just follow their intuition. This is a podcast about reaching your personal best through resilience, motivation, and passion. This is Mark My Words. Good day, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of Mark My Words. Today, on this episode, you know, I usually talk about getting pumped up and excited about a guest, which I am excited about this guest. However, this guest is also going to teach me and hopefully others how to calm down a little bit and relax and ease our fears. And that is because Pamela Crane, uh, let me see if I can get this absolutely correct, owner of Interoceptive Performance. I knew I was going to stumble over that owner of Interoceptive Performance, has over 35 years experience in yoga, dance, group fitness, public school teaching, and she basically, her whole life revolves around yoga. She has a podcast that revolves around yoga. She runs a clubhouse room. She really uh, is all about helping people to overcome their fears and imposter syndrome and helps them to pursue the career they desire plus much more and I always look for little nuggets and stuff that I can throw in there. Pamela hails originally from Texarkana which is where Texas and Arkansas meet. Am I wrong about that? Okay. That is true. (laughs) So somebody a long time ago from Arkansas told me that. And I was like, okay, that was a long time ago, but I think that's right. So that's good that I'm right about that. And things she loves, according to her LinkedIn profile, yoga, obviously, dance, kayaking, hiking, the beach, Can't wait to find out her favorite beach, reading, gardening, confidence, self-care, love, research, and mermaiding, which I have no idea what that is. (laughs) And the one quote that is always on, or at least I saw it twice going through her social media, it's time to put yourself out there and just do the thing. Pamela Crane Welcome to Mark My Words. How are you doing today? Oh my gosh, I'm amazing. How are you? I am doing very well now that I got through my grand intro for you. <laughs> I know. I feel so amazing. <laughs> well, you are <laughs> Thank amazing. Thank you for that. I am. I am. Thank you so much for that. That's I amazing. <laughs> You've got, you got so much cool stuff going on. I can't wait to talk about it all. I, I felt so slow going through all that, so I Hope whoever is listening isn't like, boy, what's wrong with Mark today? <laughs> but 
Uh, yeah, I just have a lot of things that I'm interested in aside from my work. And I think that is important for us to have hobbies or other things that bring us joy in our life. I, we, when we can find joy in our life in so many different ways, then, you know, when the bad things are going on, we can kind of harken back to these memories of fun things that we've done or fulfilling things that we've done aside from our work, which for me, my work is also very fulfilling too. Yeah. And that shows, I mean, I accidentally showed up to your clubhouse yesterday and it's the first clubhouse room I've ever been to where it ended with some music, which I thought was phenomenal. (laughs) So and just going through your LinkedIn, you're all about the music. I, you know, before we uh, started, I'm all about the music. People know I'm crazy with music. So I love that. I really connected with that. Yeah, I music has always been a big part of my life. I grew up in the South in Texarkana, which is on the border of Texas and Arkansas. It's actually two separate cities. There's a Texarkana, Texas and a Texarkana, Arkansas. And I grew up listening to country music and I'm older than I look and sound. But (laughs) so all the old Delta Dawn and, you know, Tanya Tucker song and Merle Haggard and Hank Williams and all of that, Patsy Cline. So I grew up listening to that, but I also grew up dancing. And when you take dance classes, you get exposed to so much more varied music than your friends that you go to school with do. So you, when I was a kid, I used to play that game show name that tune and I knew all the answers, all the oldies songs that nobody else knew, even a lot of my my friends and family didn't know. So yeah, so music has always been a big part of my life. And yeah, so I host these clubhouse rooms. And at the end, I always like to play music, partially because, well, I always play music at the beginning, and then I play it at the end. And partially because I like to just kind of move my body. When you're running a room in the way that I run clubhouse rooms, which are very um, nurturing and and um, we're holding space for people. We're really giving people time to kind of flesh out what's going on with them. I'm dealing with people's emotions and how they feel and their fears around confidence. And so that can be a little taxing. So it's also fun to kind of move it out and get get kind of that stuff back out. But also because I like to give people time to look at other people's bios. And if you don't, if you aren't familiar with Clubhouse, it's a speaking app where you have, you're looking at people's picture and their bios while you're hearing them speak. But sometimes you don't have time to look at everybody's that you might want to that's in the room. So that's why I do that. Yeah, but I love music. So you mentioned Name That Thing. I have to ask, have you ever played an app called Song Pop? No, I haven't. I've never heard of that. Okay, you need to download that ASAP because it's basically you playing against other people, whether you know them, random, and they give you like a playlist where you can pick out a playlist and it's like five songs and you name the song as fast as you can. And Ooh, you try that to be other- fun. Yeah, that, as you were talking, I was like, you know, 
you and I are kindred spirits in that way. I think you would enjoy that app. I'll check it out. Yeah, it's incredible. So had to toss that in there. So before I get into like your path and how you got here and how everything got started for you, I got to go back to one more thing, which I referenced in the intro, mermaiding. What exactly (laughs) is mermaiding? Okay, it is where grown people, well, and kids too, buy mermaid tails and swim in, I guess, cosplay as a mermaid. And so I bought a fabric tail. So you can buy a fabric tail and a fin from this company named Fin Fun for around $100 or so. Some people have silicone tails that look real, that cost in the thousands of dollars. Some people do it for a living. They're professional mermaids. I just do it for fun when I want to. And as a matter of fact, I have some pictures that I've been meaning to make some Instagram posts with. So you can look out for that if you want to see me and my amateur mermaid tail. But actually, I went to a mermaid convention and uh, a couple of years ago in Virginia, and I got featured in the Washington Post <laughs> wow. as, as uh, Mercurious. So they did a feature with different levels of mermaiding. So I was Mercurious, the very beginner mermaid. And then they had some, you know, kind of intermediate mermaid. And then they had the professional mermaid with all of the massive uh, mermaid gear, so to speak, with the big headdress and the beautiful tails and things like that. But it's fun. It's it's fun to swim around like that. And all, for me, I've always I've always loved the ocean. I've always loved uh, dolphins and mermaids and sea lions and otters and things like that. So to be able to kind of dress up as a mermaid and swim around or play at the beach. It's fun. You know, I, I don't see it as a career path. And I feel like for me, everything that we love and enjoy doing doesn't have to be monetized. We're in this gig economy, right? And people, every time you do something well, I, I also make all my own facial products, a lot of my own beauty products and deodorant and house cleaning products. And people say, Oh gosh, you should sell this. This is so amazing. I have this one particular recipe that I make for friends and family because they can't get enough of it. But just because I love doing that doesn't mean I need to monetize it and do it for a living. So I just wanted to kind of throw that out there because so many times when we're good at something or we enjoy it, people think that we should automatically be doing it for money and Sometimes you just do things because you love doing them. I totally agree with that. I mean, there's so many different ways to monetize nowadays. And there's so many little things, you know, from playing song pop to creating a podcast to playing video games. I mean, there's so many things. I'm just scratching the surface and I may enjoy like even playing Mario Kart, for example, on my phone. I love Mario Kart Tour. And sure, 
I've been playing it every day for a year and a half. I know a lot about the game. I might be able to start a, like a YouTube page and have videos like tricks and tips and could probably go through all that. But, you know, it's like some things just need to be for fun. And that's one of those things that's kind of like a safe haven away from, you know, doing things I consider more business. So not everything, to your point, should, you know, be monetized. Some things are just sacred and should be fun. Mm -hmm. And I want to add, listening to you talk about mermaiding, I really think I would drown. So... Well, it is dangerous. It's not something that you should just do without some careful consideration. If you're not a really, really good swimmer, then it's definitely not something you should do. You might put on the tail and take pictures on land, but if you're trying to put on a tail and swim, you need to really know how to swim very well using your arms and using your feet together because your feet are bound together in this monofin is what it's called. And then you're wearing a tail that basically binds your legs together. So it's definitely something that I would not recommend for someone who's not a good swimmer. And I would not recommend swimming out into the open ocean. I'm just going to go ahead and say that. I mean, I, I play at the beach sometimes and, you know, at the edge in the water, but I wouldn't recommend going out into, into the ocean in that way because it could be really dangerous. It would definitely be dangerous for me. I know that. <laughs> so I, I can, I can swim. Okay. But I'm definitely not the best swimmer. So I, have a tremendous amount of respect for the art form based on what you're telling me. And I would not do it because I would not be able to. So putting that aside, let's get into you and your career path. And I do my research. I try to be pretty diligent. I try to find things. And I know from what I saw, you and I at least early on going to college and whatnot, we were kind of similar. I, I wanted to do journalism. I tried taking a journalism class and I wound up dropping it because I was intimidated by my teacher. That's a story maybe for later. They were basically grading very hard and acting like a hardcore editor, which just wasn't for me. But I noticed that you actually followed or followed. You studied broadcast journalism and got your degree in that. What inspired you to follow that path? Oh, that's a really funny story. Well, it's not funny, haha, but I went to college and thought I was going to be a PE teacher. And so when I was in my first year, I was just taking the basics and I took a English writing, whatever class, creative writing or whatever they ask you to take. And my teacher said, wow, you're a really good writer. You should, you should look at, you know, doing something with that. 
So I started kind of looking around and I thought, oh, I think journalism sounds fun. And then I had been a dancer and a performer all my life. And then I thought, oh, broadcast journalism, that sounds fun. And so that's how I ended up majoring in broadcast journalism with the minor in theater arts. And um, I had a million dance classes in college and theater. And so that's what inspired me, I think, to go in that direction. And I worked in television news for some time and and I also acted in some movies, commercials regionally. And what I found with the journalism was in television news, your job is depending on, dependent on bad things happening to people because if it bleeds, it leads, you know, it, it's all about the bad news. People don't want to hear the good news or if they do, it's a little kicker at the end, you know? And I just got to a point where I'm an empath and it, it just was hurting me so much to be writing these stories, to be, have my photo come in and say, oh, I got this footage of this stabbing and this and, you know, and I would have to sit there and write this story based on this awful thing that happened or, you know, get on the air and talk about this awful thing that happened to someone. And I just couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. So then I moved into a job where I was an on-air spokesperson for a TV station that didn't have a news department. And I love that, you know, that was a lot more fun because I could just say, coming up next tonight on NBC, it's Friends and another episode of Seinfeld. Now I'm dating myself, right? <laughs> no, that's a, that's a good time period to date yourself. Yeah, but I I loved that a lot more. And I realized that doing commercial work and on-air acting and that kind of thing was really more my style and the television news just wasn't for me with my constitution with my heart (laughs) and you know based on last year so you know kind of what I do for my day job and what kind of environment I'm around and it's not like, you know, a strict news environment. It's all kinds of stuff going on, but with the pandemic going on and just hearing about it all day long, it just really depressed the hell out of me. Mm -hmm. And just from you telling your story, I'm like, okay, maybe I made the right call by not majoring or minoring in journalism. I, I love to write. And I always had that bug and I still do, but it's more for like creative writing than news writing. And I learned over the past few years, it's been kind of a journey. I did write for a couple of websites and really on top of last year being around all that, the pandemic, everything going on politically, it really was very depressing I'm like okay I don't have that like thing whatever that thing is I don't have that and you're shaking your head like yeah I don't have that either no yeah and and I didn't at that time I wasn't practicing yoga I didn't really understand what those feelings were 
I didn't understand that I was feeling the pain of these people that these things were happening to. I didn't really, until actually when 9-11 happened, and I, that's when I started really recognizing that I was an empath because I was literally feeling so much and recognizing that it was this event that was causing me this distress. And that's when I realized. And then I kind of looked back on my, uh, on my news days and was like, oh, okay. This is why it hurt so much to go to work. This is why this job just wasn't for me. And yeah, yeah. So you dodged a bullet on that one. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so too. I think what I'm doing now is definitely more for me than being actually a part of that uh, particular corner of the field. So I'm much better off just being like, you know what? Okay, this sounds good. On to like some good music or whatever. Just keep going. So I'm glad, you know, everything works out the way it's supposed to, I think. So I agree. So what I want to know about you is was being in like a part of the media and you know, just something to do with it. Was it something that you dreamed about doing growing up or is it something that just kind of happened? Oh, I think growing up, I dreamed of being a pop star. I wanted to be a pop star. I don't know. Who, who doesn't uh, want to do that? Maybe who doesn't want to be a pop star? And I didn't want to be rich. I've never wanted to be rich. I just, I wanted people to like me, I guess. I wanted people to, to think I was cool and fun and, you know, all of that. So, no, I didn't see myself as at a young age being in the media, but I saw myself, well, maybe being in the media in that way. But yeah, but I never pursued that pop star track <laughs> so i i mean i guess i didn't want to too badly because i never really went for it so <laughs> yeah i i knew from an early age i wasn't pop star material but i wanted to be around stuff i would remember watching sitcoms back in the 80s when sitcoms were all over the place and watching mtv and obviously i gravitated towards music from a pretty early age and it's like I wanted to be around stuff like that like I wanted to know what the people behind all these awesome creative things I was seeing and hearing were like like I would watch cartoons and you would hear I don't know I always use the Heathcliff theme song as an example like who would do that who would sing that song? Who would agree to do something like that? I want to meet the people who like just feel like, you know what? I want to sing that really ridiculous song. I want to be that character. Like I, I just was really curious about those things and wanted to see the realness or the fakeness of it. And that's that's what made me on top of a lot of other things, which 
we don't really have time to get into, but just all that kind of stuff fascinated me. So I, I even think, you know, I've been listening to a lot of 60s music on my commute lately. And uh, that song by Freddie Cannon, Action, where the action is, and all the woos and stuff that he does. I'm like, who would do that? Like, what would possess? <laughs> it's a great song, but it's like, who would possess somebody to record a song like that? So it's stuff like that that I wanted, like, I wanted to meet those kind of people and see what made them tick. Yeah, I'm always fascinated by creatives when certain people do certain things I always think oh that's so creative or that's so interesting why didn't I think of that (laughs) or you know or or how would I have come up with something in that way but you know you were talking about people who do voiceovers or like for cartoons and things like that and for the longest time, I didn't realize that that's an actual career. Some people, that's all they do. When I was acting a lot and doing commercial work and things like that, I had friends who did voiceovers, national voiceovers. And this was, I was living in Arkansas at the time. And, but one of the things that I got told every time I auditioned for a voiceover was that my Southern accent was too strong. So on a voiceover, unless it's a Southern character, you need to sound like whatever town they're playing that particular advertisement in. So, yeah, but I was fascinated to see that world of people who just make a living going in and doing voiceovers or for car- for commercials or for cartoons or whatever. So, yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> and of course, having you on my show kind of fulfills a little more of that curiosity here you are you were a voiceover artist i'm like oh okay you know (laughs) voiceover artists can become yoga experts so (laughs) (laughs) yeah absolutely i don't know i i mean i do have a master of science degree in yoga therapy but i never i never consider myself a master of something maybe i'm an expert compared to some people but then compared to other people i know very little right because there are people who have studied yoga a lifetime and i've only been doing it for about 20 something years so yeah it's it's definitely um it's all relative right (laughs) right so let's talk a little bit about your transition into focusing on yoga as more of your career so as you mentioned there was a point where you said you know what I want to go back to school and get a master's in yoga what 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 time period what exactly prompted that particular change for you yeah well it's it it kind of goes way back so after I did all of the, the television and all of that, all through there, I was still dancing and teaching dance here and there just because I always loved doing that. So then I started teaching dance in high school and I taught dance in high schools for 17 years. And when I was doing that and I started practicing yoga, I started realizing, oh, this stuff would be really great for these kids. 
And so I would start incorporating yoga postures with the students. I would incorporate this Shavasana and a body scan where I would kind of relax them. And I didn't really tell them what we were doing. I would just say, you know, if they were all rowdy, I would say, everybody lay down, let me turn the lights down. And I would do a body scan with them. And then it would get to a point where sometimes they would come in and say, Miss Crane, can we do that thing where we lay down on the floor? <laughs> I'm like, sure. And so I started teaching yoga before I went to any kind of yoga teacher training in that way where I would just incorporate it. But that's how yoga should be. It You incorporate it into your life. It's not something you do for an hour on a mat three times a week at a place, right? I mean, it can be that, but it's also a lifestyle and a way of doing things within the context of your life. And so then I decided to go get what they call a 200 hour yoga teacher training credential and you're called a 200 RYT. And I got that and I taught yoga as you think of yoga traditional classes for some years. And then I decided, oh, I want to move in this other direction. And so I decided to get my yoga therapy credential, which you can do, it's about a, you end up with a thousand hours. So it's a little over 800 hours to 900 hours, depending on what program you do. So you can do a training where you can become a CIAYT, which is Certified International Association of Yoga Therapists. The one I did, it's the only master's degree in the country. It's the only master of science degree in yoga therapy, which results in an master of science degree and your CIOIT credential. So I did that in Maryland at Maryland University of Integrative Health. And after that, when I really just started applying all of the yoga principles in such a different way than I had before, then I realized the, the magnitude of this gift that I had that we can use this yoga. I can use this yoga to help people overcome their fears. I can use this yoga to help people become more confident. I can use this to help people in a way that they've never been helped before. So what I do is not what you think of as a yoga class. When you come to me, you fill out an intake form, just like you do at the doctor's office. And we go through everything, your physical, your mental, emotional, spiritual, energetic self and see where we have imbalances, where we, what's going on in your life that is affecting your physical health. What's going on in your life that's affecting your mental health and how are you responding to these things that are coming at you? And then we come up with a plan using a lot of these different tools of yoga that most people don't even know about because they think yoga is an exercise class or they think it's just the postures that you see people doing with their foot behind their head. And when I hear somebody say, oh, I really need to stretch. I, my back hurts. I need to stretch. I, I always say, no, you probably don't. <laughs> it's probably not stretching that you need. You probably need some release. You probably need some strengthening and you probably need to address some of the stressors and the things going on in your life in a different way than you are now. And 
So for me, what I do is all about easing suffering. I'm not going to fix anybody. I'm not going, it's, it's all going to come from within you. The work is on you. I'm just a guide to give you tools that you decide, yes, this tool works for me. I'm going to put it in my toolbox. That tool, not so much. So we're going to leave it here. And through this series of work, that's why I only work in packages. I don't sell one one-off sessions and I'm getting ready to move into a group model because what I've found in clubhouse and also in some group sessions that I've done as, as sort of some research is that when people hear other people's story around their fears, their lack of confidence, and a lot of this goes back to childhood issues and situations. So we kind of do some deep work. And when we're doing this work and we really, when you hear other people are going through the same thing, somehow it validates you in a way to help you realize that you're not alone. You're not the only one who is feeling this way. You're not crazy. I've had so many people say that to me. Oh, I, I know, now know I'm not crazy. Well, no, of course you're not crazy. Things from our childhood can make us not be confident. And some reasons that we're not confident have to do with the fact that we're in a new job or a new school or a new environment that we don't feel like we know enough about. And that's a legitimate reason to not feel confident, but yet there are still tools and actions that you can do to build yourself up and get through it. And then sometimes we just have to do things scared. But anyway, that's a really long way to tell you where I came and, and how I got to what I do, but I love what I do. I love the, when I have someone tell me that they came to me for confidence, but their relationships have changed. Their outlook on life has changed. Their demeanor has changed that means the world to me. And I can't, I can't imagine not doing that, you know? Well, first of all, everything you just said, you may have felt like that was a little long-winded. But <laughs> it was. <laughs> it, it was, but it was absolutely perfect because oh. everything you said reminds me exactly why I love doing this show. And I love mean people like you because people like you erase some of the as you pointed out like the stigmas of you know yoga is just doing this and namaste you do a couple of exercises and I do yoga and you know what it goes so much deeper than mm-hmm. that and I don't might- say namaste we don't say namaste when we're done i've probably said namaste more in my life than you've probably said ever i used to say it i used to say it when i taught yoga classes and it's one of those the more you know you know when you know better you do better yeah and when when i hear people of indian descent saying that hearing namaste in a yoga class seems out of place or odd because it's to them, it's a greeting. Then I realize, Oh, okay. This is something that was taught to me and I took it and I did it because that's what I learned. But now that I know that that's not necessarily 
always appropriate, then I don't, I don't say it. That's not to say that I would never say it. If someone says it to me, I say it back to them because that's appropriate. And I, I would never say, Oh, why would you say that? Because it's a greeting. And so if someone says that to me, if I finish the class and someone says it, then I would say it back to them or at least put my hands together and bow towards them, you know, because namaste is I, I bow to you or it, it, it actually translates literally, excuse me, let me think about this for a moment. It, li- it literally translates as vow, like I take a vow to you. That's the literal namas and te. But there, there has been some, um, what's the word? There has been some pain around that that has come up for some people of Indian descent who feel like they were um, ostracized or criticized for living their, their heritage. And then, you know, now white people took it and we're all saying it all the time and putting it on t-shirts and things. So I try to be really respectful around that. Yeah. That is all stuff I did not know. Yeah. That is really interesting. I mean, Wow, you yeah. got me a little bit speechless on some Uh-oh. of this. Yeah. <laughs> well, I didn't mean to get the host speechless. What are we going to do? <laughs> oh, no, I'll keep it going. It's, <laughs> it's just really making me think like, wow, you know, I never thought about any of this or, you know, maybe not only like what you do, but what you just told me, like the deeper meaning behind all that just did not know that. So you kind of got me thinking like, huh, that's really interesting. Well, and that I do want to say, and that's another reason why I practice the kind of yoga I practice where for me, one of the biggest things that I work with clients on is the philosophical principles, the yamas and niyamas. And we talk about the, how you're living your life how you are applying truth to yourself, compassion, ahimsa to yourself, aparagraha, non-grasping, not expecting outcomes for things. And when we explore those principles within ourselves, vajaya, self-study, that's when we can really make lasting change in our life. And that's yoga. Yoga is breathing and, and applying different types of breath work. People think, oh, I need to take a deep breath and relax. Maybe you don't. Maybe you need an energizing breath to get your ass moving. Or maybe you need um, a particular kind of meditation. And it's okay if your mind wanders because that's what our minds do. And it's, it's so much more than just postures. And the postures are there to help us unstick energy and get things moving too. And we might practice them. We might not. I had a client recently say, we don't really do many postures. It, I, I, I didn't know that that's what this would be. And I said, well, do you want to do some postures? Because everything is very client centered. And if I feel like the client wants to move, then I'm going to help them move. And she said, no, I don't. I was just curious. <laughs> so it's, 
funny how we have these preconceived ideas of what the West has packaged and sold yoga as because they were, that's how they could monetize it quickly and easily and not really do that deep work because it's work, right? It's Fadyaya self-study is work. It's not an hour on a mat three times a week. And it's I'm all I'm, the time. I'm glad to learn all of that. I mean, wow. I Oh, I could geek out on it all day long. <laughs> oh, I know. Hey, you didn't get that master's degree for nothing. Right. Um, I mean, I knew when I saw that you got your master's in this, I was and just what your goals are with it. And now just hearing you talk like one one, like wow, there is really a lot more to this. I'm so glad that I had you on this show because this is like amazing to me. Oh, well, I'm grateful to get to share a lot of, a lot of what I have, what I, what I get to do is educating people on what, what yoga is. And I kind of joke that yoga therapy is what yoga was before we took it and made it look like exercise. And I don't mean to discount also classes where it's predominantly postures because a $5 yoga class in a gym that was mostly postures saved my life. So, and that's how I started doing yoga was going to this gym, paying $5 drop in and taking these yoga classes. So whether we come to it for the physical and then find the rest, the mental, emotional, spiritual, it doesn't, it, it's fine. And so I don't mean to discount a yoga class because they do have so much value. I'm just saying also it's so much more. And if you, if you're open to finding out more and it's not just woo woo, there's scientific studies, peer reviewed scientific studies showing the efficacy of breathing to literally change your nervous system and, and get you into a parasympathetic nervous system state or meditation. They have functional MRIs that show the brain changing with meditation or positive thoughts. So yes, it's this ancient, beautiful set of practices that can ease suffering for so many and so many different aspects of our life. And there's a lot of scientific evidence kind of backing it up and some of us don't need that evidence we have our own anecdotal evidence that shows for me I suffered so much in my 20s and 30s from physical and mental emotional pain and I'm 55 and I feel physically better mentally emotionally better than I ever did in my 20s and 30s and bad stuff happens to me too I stressors come at me too. So I'm not sitting here saying that my life's all <laughs> lollipops and roses because I practiced yoga. No, I have, I, I have to get in that mud too, but I have tools to help me deal with it that I didn't have before. And so my life is so much better. I can find contentment, Santosha, because I can apply these tools and I can do that hard work that sometimes is not much fun 
but it gets me on the other side. And then I can have that gratitude and appreciation for my life. And when I find gratitude, sometimes those bad things fall off, right? Not always. I mean, you can't gratitude your way out of, of certain awful situations. So I don't mean to downplay. And because this is a yes and, and it can help reframe things. It can change your mindset and it can bring you to a spot, if not happiness, at least acceptance. Well, one thing just kind of writing off of all that, that I wanted to talk about a little bit is your focus on helping people become more comfortable speaking on camera, erasing imposter syndrome. These are all things that I know I spent most of my life going through and I kind of just figured it out. I think a lot of the positive reinforcement that I was getting, maybe surrounding myself with people that were more supportive, really helped me. Like, you told me, I don't know, three to five years ago, that I'd be hosting a podcast and making video content and we're doing anything remotely like this. I would say, no, absolutely not. (laughs) You're crazy. Nobody wants to listen to me. Nobody wants to watch me. Nobody wants anything to do with that. Maybe if I'm behind the scenes or, you know, I write or whatever. Yeah, okay. But I, it, it took a lot of just work on my own part. And it took me surrounding myself with the right kind of people to get me to see that, hey, you know, you need to wake up a little bit. You do, you you are capable of speaking and being on camera and you don't sound as goofy as you think you do. And, you know, it, it took a lot of work and just researching you and what you're doing. And I, First of all, I think it's an amazing thing what you're doing in that regard. And secondly, I really wish I would have met you a few years ago. (laughs) Could have helped you. (laughs) Yeah, I do have a very, my husband says, you have a particular set of skills. (laughs) I have a very particular set of skills where I have this background in performing. I have this background of being on air and movies, commercials, and journalism. So I have two different perspectives. The, the, the journalism perspective is addressing the camera, looking into the lens, speaking to uh, someone on the other side of the camera, whereas the acting, the commercial acting and the other, uh, the movies is more of a pretending to be a character and then the camera is an observer. And so I have that. And then I have this yoga background of helping people really tune into their body to notice, oh, okay, I'm feeling this emotion. Where am I feeling this in my body? How's this showing up for me? Okay, and when, it, when I know where it's showing up, then that's information. And then we can do something about it, right? We can move that area of the body. We can breathe into that area of the body. We can imagine some kind of healing 
happening in that area of the body to kind of open up and get in there. So, yeah. And then with the on-air aspect of my life, I can teach people literal techniques and skills that you need to look effective on camera. And then we can also address the fears (laughs) and that I always say that if we're, if we're dealing with traumas and fears, that's going to show up when we try to get on camera or make videos, right? If we're not confident in our life or we don't have a sense of safety in our life, then that's going to show up when we start to make videos. And so, yeah, you, I say this all the time. You can have all the tips and tricks in the world, but if you don't address the inner demons, the inner issues that are holding you back, then knowing where to look on the camera or knowing how to squash bad habits speaking or knowing how to stop yourself from swaying back and forth won't really matter if you don't feel confident from the inside. So that's the work I do. I really help people kind of dig deep and do that work and come out on the other side. You know, you said swaying back and forth. I was told I have a bad habit of swinging <laughs> in my chair. I've been really been trying to cut back on that. So every time I catch myself doing it, I'm like, all right, stop, stop doing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So I have a, I have a free tip sheet. If anybody wants it, it's in my Instagram link in bio. And in that tip sheet, it also has like a little worksheet with an exercise to do. And I ask people to make a little video, get feedback from a friend and also give yourself feedback. But we don't just look for what we're doing wrong. So yeah, we might notice the swaying back and forth, but we also look for what am I doing well? What's going right? Because if we only focus on the bad that can really undermine our confidence. So if we can if we can have a list of two things that went well, two things that I need to improve upon, right? Then we can take that momentum of those things that we did well to kind of fuel us for that, what we're gonna fix or do differently. And then the next time we look at it, we may see some more things that, oh, we may say, oh, look, I'm doing so much better with this. I didn't, I only said, um, three times instead of 30. And I didn't sway back and forth one time. So yay me, look how great I was. Oh, there's this other thing that I noticed that I was doing. And one thing that I always tell people is when I replace certain words that I have a habit of saying, I always end up finding a new one. And so I have to look back every now and then and see, oh, okay. Ooh, I have picked up this little bad habit that I I didn't have before. So it's always a work in progress, right? You always want to be looking to see what you're doing well and what you can improve. Because if you only look at what you can improve, then, you know, you're going to get down on yourself all the time and you'll lose confidence in that way. I I totally agree with you. And (laughs) I think what you're trying to accomplish there is really cool. And I know just on my own behalf, just going back to, I think I started this season, this year of episodes in January, even if I, when I go back and work on stuff and get ready to release the episodes, 
and I listen to how I may have presented back then and how I'm doing now, I'm like, wow, I, I really have come a long way. Like my confidence has really grown. And then I'm sure if I went back to last April or March when I was just getting this started, I would probably be really blown away. Like I can feel how much better I've become at doing this, at least in my personal opinion. I feel like I've gotten much, much better. So practice and putting in the work goes a long way with something like this presenting whether it's on camera or maybe even off camera, it's the work. I always tell people, if you want to help figure out what your bad habits are and stop doing them, edit your own podcast. Yeah. <laughs> you will hear yourself saying a particular word or phrase over and over and you'll think, oh my goodness, I have got to get rid of this habit because first of all, you get tired of cutting it out. And second of all, it becomes so apparent that you're doing it when you hear it back. So yeah, if you, if you're wondering what your habits are, record yourself and then listen back with the intent of making it sound better and you'll, you'll hear them. Well, one thing that I did with my podcast, I put myself up to a challenge where I told myself, I think it must have been two months ago ish. I noticed in one episode I was listening back to It's like, boy, I really say um and ah a little more than I'd like to. I would like to see if I can cut back or maybe even eliminate saying it. And I feel like I personally, if I'm grading myself, I feel like I've come a long way. Now, I could have uh or ummed a little bit over your intro, and I probably... (laughs) tried a little too hard with your intro, but that's just how I roll, I guess. But it, and you your, know, it, oh, go ahead. No, I was just saying to your point, listening to my own podcasts and watching my own content, I'm learning a lot about myself. And I think that's helping me in and of itself to become hopefully better. I think I'm getting better. I think you're doing great. What I was going to say too about the us and ums is we don't have to beat ourselves up too much about that, right? Because it's conversational. It's, it's normal for sometimes to hear that. The only thing time I think it becomes a problem is if it's after every single word and, you know, and there are people who say, um, 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 before everything that they are going to say. So when you're listening back, if you hear it a couple of times, or if you hear, you know, I said, you know, a little while ago, by the way, and it's, and I just said, um, it's not the worst thing in the world. The only time it becomes a hinder to someone understanding your content is if it happens so much that they start to tune you out or if they feel annoyed by it. Right. So it's just a matter of gently and calmly reminding yourself every time you catch yourself saying the, whatever it is that you tend to have a, a trouble with. And then just trying to do it less and less every time. And I'll give you a pro tip. Those are filler words. 
And so if you can start to just pause instead, then you'll start to get rid of those words. And pauses in conversation are natural. It's natural to stop and think what I want to say next. So we've in this world, we've gotten in such a hurry that we don't even feel comfortable with that little pause to figure out what we want to say next. And when we can get back into settling in and relaxing into that and realizing that a little bit of silence isn't the worst thing in the world, then it makes it a little bit easier. And it helps that you do it so gracefully. Oh, thanks. (laughs) Well, I practice. I practice, but what I found, I said this earlier. So I used to say, um, a lot. So I cut out, um, and then I was listening back one day and I found out, oh my gosh, I'm saying so before every sentence. So this, 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 this is so, so I had to get rid of that. And then there's always something comes right. And so it's just a matter of being aware and, also giving yourself grace if you're doing it, right? It's probably fine. It's probably not every other word or too often. And if it is, just start to do it less often and start to take that pause and take that time to formulate actual words that you want to say and just go for it. You can do it. Well, on that note, I'm going to go for it and ask you something about, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes-ish, unless we wrap it up somehow. I'm allowing us that time. I want to go to one thing as far as, so we talked about you getting a master's degree. We kind of jumped into what your mission and your goals are, but I didn't ask about how you actually decided to become an entrepreneur. What sparked that? Because you you obtained this amazing background. I'm not really sure if you knew exactly how you were going to use it or what you were going to do. What was your thinking as all of this came to fruition? Oh my gosh. I don't know what I was thinking because honestly, I am not a business person. And I believe so many yoga teachers, that's why I started the Yoga Pro podcast. So many of us did not intend to be business people. We did not intend to be entrepreneurs. And so, yeah, when, when you asked me that, I had to laugh because no, I was never one of those people who thought, oh, I'm going to build my own empire and, you know, <laughs> take on the world. That's, never been in my, in my mind. So when I set out on this journey, it's been hard. I'm not going to lie. And it's still hard. I, I really struggle with the marketing and business aspect. I'm really good at what I do. I can help people be more confident. I can help them overcome their fears But what I've realized is that being an entrepreneur sometimes can require skill sets that mindset just doesn't necessarily overcome, right? So I, I mean, I'm learning 
social media and I do the best I can. And mine's not amazing, but it's not terrible. And I have some good content that I think people really enjoy and get a lot of value from. And so that's important. But my website kind of sucks and I'm not good at that. And (laughs) I need to hire someone to do that. And as you're an entrepreneur, I mean, as you're doing what you're good at doing, you realize that there are these subsets of skills that you're not good at that you need to hire someone to do. And then it's a matter of balancing that building your business and, and the risk taking of how much do I invest as I go? How much do I just do from the front end? Right. And so what I've been doing is really just more referrals, people who work with me, then they refer other people to me, but it would be nice to not have to worry about that aspect of it. So yeah, that's, a really loaded question. <laughs> I'm feeling kind of triggered right now. <laughs> oh, sorry. No, I'm just kidding. Back. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But no, it is. It is something that a lot of yoga professionals deal with because I think most people don't get into the. We come into it because we're heart centered and we we want to help people and we want to change people's lives and or offer them the ability to change their own life and we don't really understand how how much work there is into running a business that has nothing to do with the client facing part of it so yeah yeah, that, that's a really hard hard one to answer because, no, I never set out to be an entrepreneur. I never had that mindset of a person who wanted to start a big business. I mean, I'll tell you, I, I know on my behalf, I never really thought of myself as like even striving to be an, an entrepreneur because to me, being an entrepreneur is like, you got to be like mega, you know, somebody like Bill Gates or, you know, that's a really cliche, obvious example. But that's that's what I used to think when I thought entrepreneur. You already got to be, you know, banking a lot of money. You know, you got to be, you know, amazing beyond just words so much so that i'll start to fill this with us and ums in order to get through it like that's how mega i thought you (laughs) had to be and again that's why i like doing this podcast that's why i like meeting people like you because i want to put it out there that you can be a person like you or i who are creative and maybe skilled in different ways than just rolling in millions of dollars or whatever the case is, like, you know, extremely gifted in a way, like in marketing or whatever the case is that people might think automatically that they're they're just money in the bank and that's why they're an entrepreneur. There's so many layers to it 
And I will say that some of the, the points he made about hiring other people to help with things that you may not be as good at or as skilled at, that's something, that's like the next step for me because everything that I'm doing minus the knowledge that the guests and the personality that they're bringing, everything else is just coming from me. Every, all graphic design, et cetera, et cetera. Even my intro for this podcast, I created it on GarageBand and it, it all comes from me, whether it's any good or not. I put my heart and soul into it and it's me. And I know I can at least kind of push myself through it and make it presentable, but I'm sure there's somebody out there who can make it better. So that's really something that I get from all entrepreneurs is that, look, there are things that they're really good at. And obviously the core of what they do is what they do and what they're good at, but we're just not good at everything. Although okay. I will I will say that I do think your website and your Instagram are very good. Oh, thanks. Well, I I do the best I can. And I think one thing about it is it is me. It's authentic and it's me. I don't know any SEO though, so my website doesn't get much traffic because it it just doesn't attract any because I don't know how to do SEO. And I've tried to learn and I just my brain just doesn't work that way. And so I'm giving myself grace around that. And I'm reading a really good book called The E-Myth. I just started reading it. And it's basically the myth of the entrepreneur. And it talks about how there are three different aspects. And I'm not going to remember all three of them. But there's the, I think it's the practitioner, which is the person who knows how to do the thing. There's the entrepreneur, which is the person who you know, wants to run a business. And then I forgot what the other one is. But it said that most people who think they're entrepreneurs are really practitioners who do the thing. And they go into this business thinking that they can do it because they're good at what they do, which is true for probably most of them. But then they get in it and they realize that they need these other two aspects of themselves and so I haven't read very much so I can't really tell you how it ends up but I can't wait to finish it and see if he's just going to tell me that this is an issue or if he's going to tell me how to fix it <laughs> uh, but I, I heard about that book in an ADHD group that I'm in on Facebook and so I'm excited to to really get into it a little bit deeper and and discover that. So, yeah, but that's a, that's a big question, you know, so many people and, oh, there's another really good book called the strengths finder. And it has a quiz that you can take online and they tell you basically what your strengths are. And I think that's really a beneficial thing for people to do who are entrepreneurs, because it does kind of help you relax a little bit and give yourself grace around the fact that, okay, I'm not, maybe I'm not a numbers person and that's okay because I have these other strengths and I need to capitalize on my strengths. And those things that I'm not good at are the things that I need to hire someone for. It kind of, I think for me, it kind of helped me determine, okay, where do I need help and what can I handle on my own successfully and happily? <laughs> 
Because there are some things actually that I can do that I don't want to do anymore. So those will be, I mean, I'm hiring first on the list of I can't do this very well. And then the next is I don't want to do this. I want to spend all my time with my clients and less time doing these other things. Well, hopefully one thing that you can and will want to do as we wrap up this amazing episode is tell everybody how they can find you on social media, how they can work with you, and how they can gain some of this uh, wisdom. (laughs) And I just said, uh, this wisdom that you've imparted on me today, which has been incredible. Oh, thank you so much. And I appreciate the opportunity to share. Yeah, you can find me at Interoceptive Performance on all the social medias, pretty much everywhere. And it's I-N-T-E-R-O-C-E-P-T-I-V-E, Performance. And you can work with me right now. I'm only working through packages. So I have a six session package and a 12 session package that you can purchase. If you go to my link in the bio on Instagram, you should be able to find a link for that. And I also have a couple of freebies there for you. I have a tip sheet, confidence and connection on camera, which has some great tips for being more confident for making videos and going live. And then I also have a replay of a training that I did on overcoming fears and learning about imposter syndrome that you can grab. And yeah, I'm just happy to connect. You can also just send me a DM if you have a question about anything that we talked about today, or if you just want to reach out and say, hey, feel free to send me a private message and I'll message you back. Well, Pamela, thank you very much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be on my show. It was a real pleasure. It was extremely educational and I appreciate it very much. So thank you very much. This was Pamela Crane again of Interoceptive Performance. She is the owner. She also has a wonderful podcast, the Yoga Pro Podcast. And she has a ton of wisdom. And I thank you again for being on Mark My Words. I am Mark Schmidt. And I will be back soon with a new episode. Thanks again for listening. Bye for now.